On today's show, our guest is Corinne Tai. This is a story of something that we all experience in life, and that's transition. If you've got a burning desire to do something, whatever that is, make sure that you follow your heart and get after it. But if you're going to do that, make sure that you go all in in the process. Corinne gave up a job she loved, a career that was going places, and an incredible social life to finish off what she started, and that was to become a qualified dietitian. There's something inside of each of us that's moving us forward. We all know the feeling, and I want you to really ask yourself, what is it that's driving you, and where is it taking you? As you listen into Corinne's story, I want you to keep that question at the forefront of your mind. Remember that we're not being propelled by our past. We're being drawn to our future. And whatever it is that you hold in your heart, make sure you follow it because it will be worthwhile. Corinne worked hard to achieve her goal. And now she's living a fulfilled life full of opportunities that keep on coming every day. And that right there, my friends, is exactly what happens when you follow your heart and you align with your true purpose in life. I'm excited she's here, so please help me in welcoming Corinne Tai. Hey, are you totally committed? Are you playing full out? Are you all in? Hi, my name is Robert Brass, and this is the Go All In Podcast. Join me as we explore amazing stories of success, heartache, and absolute triumph by those who have gone all in. I'm glad you're here, so let's get to it and do whatever it takes to go all in and create the life of your dreams. Well, g'day, Corinne. Welcome to the Go All In Podcast. It's really great to have you on the show, mate. Thanks so much. Really happy to be here. Awesome. Well, I'd like to start off with all of my guests with a little get-to-know-you quiz. It helps warm us up, calms us down a little bit, and maybe your friends and family and the people listening will get to know you a little bit more than what they already think they do. It's in no particular order. It's pretty random. Just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? Yep, sure. All right, all right. In the nutrition space, right? So I'm going to ask some stuff in and around that. Vegan or paleo? Oh, vegan, 100%. Oh, really? And well, then I was going to ask, is it dairy or non-dairy? So it must be non-dairy, right? Well, in the case of vegan versus paleo, because <laughs> I don't want to cut out any food groups, but there is some um, merit to plant-based diets. So. Very nice, very nice. Early to rise or late to bed? Oh, 100% early to rise. Nice one, nice one. Do you prefer audio books or podcasts? I love podcasts. Lucky. I was going to hang out the call. That was it. It was a loaded question I was checking. Tell me, do you prefer public right speaking answer. or solitude of writing? Public speaking. Nice. What was your first car? It was called Turkey and it was a turquoise blue Ford Festiva. Proper lunching. <laughs> that thing like you stole it or what? <laughs> I absolutely got a few tickets, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> the old, the, the turkey, the festy, hey? <laughs> the festy, exactly. Oh. And you could pick it up with one hand, it was that light. <laughs> what happened to the festy in the end? Did it die a natural death or did you hand it on to someone else? I handed it on and upgraded to a micro. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not much bigger. <laughs> it's still a dustbuster. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Do you prefer the beach or the bush? Oh, I love both, but the beach, I'd have to say, because I grew up there by the beach, yep. Nice. What's your local beach that you grew up at? So Queenscliff, and then Curl and most recently it's Fairlight Beach. 
It's very nice. They're all beautiful places on the northern beaches in Sydney. If you don't know where they are and you're listening in, Corinne, can you ride a motorbike? I've been on motorbike once, so I wouldn't say I'd be able to ride it myself, but I love being on the back of it. <laughs> Good fun, right? And tell me, last question, who's been the biggest influence, the most major influence for you in your life? Oh, that's a really big question. There's been quite a few, but I have to say, can we come back to that one? All right, we can come back. What's the <laughs> first a, one that comes to mind? First one that comes to mind, I'd have to say my mum would be the first one. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Corinne. It's meant to be a little bit of fun. It's not meant to be serious on the front end of it there. If mum was the biggest influence, well, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Definitely the closest and uh, your most inspiring. Very nice. Very nice. Well, people come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, Corinne, could you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Yeah, absolutely. My biggest goal in story was I was working in radio in marketing and events and I still love the radio industry and I was going really well and loving it. And I just had this thing that was eating in the back of my mind that I I needed, had some unfinished business. So I studied years ago to become a dietitian, but never finished in order to become one. And, And that started to be prominent probably for around 18 months while I was working in radio. And I thought if this, these thoughts are not going to go, so um, I'm going to have to do something about it. So I applied to go and back to school and do my master's uh, full time, which when I told people about it, they thought I was completely crazy, <laughs> leaving such a great job. But um, I knew that it was something I had to do. So I went straight straight away and applied. I then went on a trip to Bali and got on into a course in Perth. And um, I just thought, that's it. I'm doing it. I'm going all in and I am going back to study and in a completely different state. So I came back, resigned and then went over to Perth and never looked back. Um, it was definitely a hard slog getting back into the books, <laughs> but it turned out to be the best thing I've ever done. I met great people got my Master of Nutrition and Dietetics and now working as a dietitian and really love it. Stories of transitions are always go all in stories, whether that's from a relationship, from a business or from a job into something else like that. What, what do you think it was that prevented you from finishing that course in the first place? I think it was time in my life when I was younger and I I just had so many things I wanted to do. You know, I've always thought, you know, I've got to seize every opportunity. And, you know, at that time, I just didn't want to study continually in order to get my master's back then. Uh, I wanted to travel. I wanted to, I had the idea of working media because it just sounded so much fun. Um, So that's when I went down the radio path back then. Um, you need to live a little bit, right, when you're young. 100%, yeah. And I, and I definitely feel like I did it the right way because that, at that point in time I was, I was gung-ho to really embrace the media world. So, so, yeah, coming back later in life, yeah, it's worked out. It's been great. But what about leaving a successful career? And it sounded like a tell – us, tell us what was your exact role in media because it was a pretty fun job, right? Oh, it was, I remember someone said to me, you get paid to party. Um, I can't believe that. And I said, well, you know, there's a bit more to it than that, but it definitely is, you know, a very fun, very high paced job. And, you know, everyone wants a piece of what you're doing because 
I worked with sales teams and yeah, I loved it. And I love the energy. You know, you walk into a radio station, you, you, first thing you hear is music blaring out of the speakers, obviously. And you go to the bathroom, you've got music on. It's just, and everyone's dancing in their seats. Like it sounds a bit, yeah, full on, but yeah, suited my personality and I loved every minute. So you used to organize parties for clients and then bring the salespeople in and use that as a lead generator, right? 100%. Yeah. Yep. So it was a way to entertain our clients and build rapport with them in order for them to spend more in our stations. And um, yeah, it was an excellent job. <laughs> How many times a week would you run an event? Oh, we, we'd have stuff going on all the time. So, you know, there'd at least be one thing on each day, you know, whether it be something as small as a lunch through to something like a high profile dinner at the art gallery, or if a concert came to town, you know, drinks with Pink was on or, or Rihanna or anything like that. So, yeah, it was a really good, really good time. So what on earth would, like, kind of possess you to pick up everything again? You've got a career that's obviously progressing nicely. It's fun as well. Did you kind of just get into the groove of it and it became the norm or was it just a burning desire to go and finish off what you'd started? It was more the burning desire to finish off and, and at a point where I thought, if I don't do it now um, and put everything I've got into it, then I don't want any regrets later on. So it was now or never, I felt. And I just felt as well that, you know, I wanted to use the skills that I created years ago and build on that. And I felt like I could give back to the dietitian community and, and really help people. I like science. I love people. So it was a good combination. Yeah, it's awesome and, and it's a it's an inspirational story to follow your passion and follow your heart in spite of what's happening in your environment around you because that stuff can be a little bit false. If you've mm-hmm. if you've got a great environment, you've got great surrounds and things feel really good for you on a day to day basis and it's just you're in a groove, you're getting paid good money, you get paid to party like a nightclub promoter, that's awesome. But then there's kind of more to life than just that. There's no fulfillment in that, right? Mm, yeah yeah that's exactly that's exactly it I just felt like I really wanted to that helping people was what it really pushed me over to do it you know I really felt like I could connect with people and and that came through radio as well you know connecting with people but it it's a different way of looking at it you know helping people with their health is just incredible and and I've found that since being a dietitian it's really paid off in more ways than one nice one and and tell me about you know, you made a commitment and you decided you're going to go all in and go and study and do that. And that's one thing. But then there's something completely else there as well. You pick up and move to another freaking state. I know, I know. <laughs> completely crazy. I just had this, I've always thought this with any decision I make, I think what's the worst that can happen? You know, the worst that can happen is that everything falls over. I move back. I don't finish the degree and that's it. You know, and that, you know, that whilst that's not ideal, it's not so bad in the scheme of things. So, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that was playing on my mind. What's the worst thing that can happen? And that I, I think that for a lot of things that I decide. And, and what about moving to WA? Did it, had you been there before? Or was that brand new as well? Ne- never been there before. I had a couple of people that I um, knew from my radio um, career. And, but all in all, it was, uh, you know, Throw caution to the wind and go. <laughs> it's a big country town, right? And it takes a it's a bit of a culture shock that place because it's it seems like a big city, but it you know you can get from one end of it to the other in sort of half an hour. It's a small place and everybody knows each other. It's a really yeah. friendly country town. It's a 
wonderful place. If you've never visited Perth and you're listening to this, make sure you get yourself on a plane and go there. It's really cool. But what about the culture shock from coming from crazy busy Sydney over there and it all comes to a grinding halt? Did you did it take a bit of adjustment for you? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And um and what you said about trying to get people over to Perth is is a great thing because it's really underrated. Mm. I felt like um it was like a country town. It was a bit of an adjustment, but I think what made the, the crux of it was that I met really good people straight away. Um, you know, I, I went and moved into a house and I ended up becoming best friends with the people I live with. And then it just all unfolded from there. I kept meeting people through uni, through work, and that made the difference. I, I think if I didn't meet those people, um, it wouldn't have been a, the same experience. Yeah, that sounds really nice. You know, you kind of throw caution to the wind and go and do it all and you get there and it just unfolds beautifully as you describe. So, you know, the, the commitment to go all in is one thing, but then actually going to do it and executing on it is another. Now, now take me back. Uh, that's probably a little bit of a, a harder memory and maybe not something that's so pleasant to talk about, but getting back into university and opening up school books, man, that is like, I'm cringing just thinking about going to do that. You know, the idea of doing it is pretty cool, but actually doing it and in practice, did you bite off more than you could chew there on the front end? Well, I must say that the way, like I was saying about going all in, you know, I knew that was part of the process. So I knew if I'm going to be a dietitian, I need to just, you know, get those books, get the backpack, get the hoodie on and be a student again. And so I just kind of looked at it from that point of view. Um, you know, study when you want to be outside in the beautiful WA weather mm. <laughs> and being, um, I used to call it my mole hole, getting um, caught up in my mole hole doing an assignment was definitely a challenge. And, but I knew I could see the end result. And, and did you get on the other side of that difficulty pretty quickly? Did it just take you a month or two to get into the groove of studying again? Yeah, it, I reckon it was about three months. And that means it meant that I found a place Uni had started to kick off. Um, we were right in the thick of starting assignments. I, I reckon that was the settling period. And I also found that, you know, getting out and seeing WA as well really helped, you know, to, to get to know my surroundings. You know, I had my car over there, so I was driving, doing road trips, going down to Margaret River and, yeah, embracing it. Um, and I think that's embracing what, you, what you're going to do and when you go all in is really important, you know, trying to make the most of it. Otherwise, you know, chances are it won't work. It's really interesting you get to kind of, I get to hear your story in a little bit of detail as well. Because I do know a lot of people just in, in the last week, in fact, I had a mate of mine saying, oh, I'm going to go back to uni and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm kind of like, good luck with that, man. You know, you're, like, you're 39 years old and you're going to go back to university and study that. What, what are you thinking sort of thing? And as you say, it takes you three, two, three months to get into the groove of that. And then mm. once it starts to progress, it unfolds for you nicely. And it's really nice to hear your story that, hey, it's actually not such a bad thing at all. You know, the commitment to do it is the, the hardest part, but then actually going and doing it takes work, but it's not the end of the world, so to speak. So two years in WA and two years of studying full time, but God, university students, you got half the year off. What were you doing in the meantime? <laughs> exactly yeah well I got to drive around and do trips and I got to um you know meet people down south so down I went down I took my little micro because I have my micro over there I drove pretty much all of the WA down to the Esperance beautiful Esperance Albany um did you drive right that up, car across the Nullarbor I 100% did <laughs> Can you believe that? and it didn't break <laughs> 
can't, can't break a Japanese car, right? No, that's the advice I got when I got it, and it didn't fail me. I even drove up to Kalgoorlie uh, and then across the Nullarbor back to Perth, so I did the full loop. And, um, yeah, I was, I was driving next to semi-trailers with the, <laughs> with the clouds looming, and that's a pretty scary experience, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. And just for the people that are listening that don't know, they are some really long ways. It's a vast place, isn't it? And some of those roads, I've been on those roads, they just like you, it's like a picture that you're looking into the sunset and the road is straight and it kind of comes to a point like a triangle in the distance with the heat haze and the hot sun in the desert and stuff like that. What was your experience of rural Australia and desert Australia like that? Was it cool? Cool place? It was really cool and like nothing I've ever experienced. You know, if anyone's listening and hasn't done it, I encourage you to do it. Um, maybe not in a micro, maybe a safer car, but, um, but definitely getting out there. It, you kind of, um, it's just you and your thoughts on the road. That's the best thing about it. You know, it's a, the ultimate in mindfulness. Were, were you um, on your own, were you, when you were doing those trips? On my own, yeah. So I, I did a trip up to northern New South Wales, probably about five or six hours, just south of Coss Harbour from Sydney, um, about two weeks ago. And once you get out of Sydney and you get north of Newcastle, it kind of starts to settle down and slow down. And anyone that's ever driven on country roads in Australia would know that. And uh, when you do it by yourself, it's like the scene, scenery is stunning, you know, the put a bit of music on, go and do that, experience a little bit of solitude like that. It's kind of nice. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I would recommend that as well. I've never done it in the bottom of Australia where you have, but that sounds like something that's really fun. Really fun, yeah. It's WA is so diverse. When you get into the different pockets of it, it's it's a really great place to to be. I think the marketing campaign from WA needs to be ramped up. To be honest, no, maybe they can put us on it. Yeah, <laughs> hey, we're up for it. I'm up for it. I'm up for anything, especially a trip. <laughs> I like the idea of that. Cool. So tell me, you get to the end of your university course. There's light at the end of the tunnel, but is it a freight train coming at you, or is it some something that's actually pretty good? Well, that's a good point because, you know, it's, it's the degree is one thing, but getting a job is the other. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I knew at the end of my degree, it was, it was my time done in Perth, you know, and, and I knew, or WA, and I knew it was time to move back and, and there's more opportunity over, over East. And I was missing my family and friends at that point, um, as well. So, so yeah, I moved back and, um, launched into a junior role because that's the other thing, you know, you can't expect to just dive into something that's really high profile and high paying and, and really, you know, a great job. You've got to start somewhere. So I went into a junior role and, um, it was a, a menu collecting assistant job at a hospital. So, so yeah, I knew that was a starting stepping point in order to get where I am now. Nice. And, and you know, the, the job description that you have is really so damn important because it affects every single person that you encounter. Tell me about, you know, the, the, the thought process of wanting to go and study and to do that and to help people. Did you find yourself soon after you qualified in those first couple of roles actually helping people and making a difference? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I worked in a rehab and palliative hospital. So that was straight away um, a really eye-opening experience, you know, working with patients first of all that are really you know vulnerable and they just need help and so that that was incredible to to get to know them and also their families you know that it takes a whole village for the support network for them so yeah I, I learned a lot you know talking to them about eating and, and what that means to them. And tell us about what your role has progressed into now what are you doing now? 
I'm working um, in corporate health. So I'm working as a heart health coach, working with people that have had a cardiac event, whether it's a stent or a bypass and coaching them to, to their recovery. So whether it be eating, exercise, medications, etc. Is that in um, your own business? That's with um, Bupa, no, with oh. um, yeah, health insurance. So, and also, I'm also doing delivery of nutrition services. So, doing cooking demonstrations, one-on-ones, um, and seminars um, in the corporate wellness space. Very nice. And and tell me, I'm going to ask you some loaded health and nutrition questions. Yeah, don't be shy and just tell me where to go. Um, you know, I've I've been into health and nutrition my entire life as well. You know, I discovered sport, and I was a swimmer when I was younger. I discovered rugby league when I was about 13. And when you discover rugby league, you discover the gym. And when you go to the gym as a young Aussie bloke, part of going to the gym is learning about diet and nutrition. Those two things go hand in hand because there's no point in spending all that time training to try and get fitter, faster and stronger if you're not putting the right things in your mouth. So early on in my life, you know, 13, 14 years old, I was kind of into that stuff. And, you know, the people that kind of motivated me were the Sylvester Stallones and the Arnold Schwarzeneggers of the world and these movie stars, you know, before the internet, they're the things that I really loved and kind of aspired to look up to and, and really enjoyed. But as I, you know, I kind of developed an old school thinking in and around fitness and nutrition. And as I got older, so, you know, not to go, not to labor the point or talk about my life story. I, as I got older, I, I did a, uh, a personal trainer's course, became a qualified personal trainer as well. And that only kind of fueled my desire to learn more about fitness and nutrition and the science and the sports science that's all associated with that. And I never really did much with it in a client-based perspective because it was kind of really self-centered, I suppose. I wanted to learn that stuff for myself to get a competitive edge for myself. And in some ways, I actually did. But, you know, the genetics that you have are the genetics that you've got. I can't change how fast I am, how strong I am, how fit I am. And in the military, for me, I was always comparing myself to other people who almost had to do nothing. And they could just kick my ass in virtually everything and just their genetics and everything. And then, so, you know, I used to have to train harder, out-train them. I used to have to eat better than what they did. And they would go out boozing on the weekend and I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be training to try and keep up with them. And, you know, a lot of that's to do with genetics. What would you say, you know, are the biggest mistakes people make with things like that? You know, that's a, it's a big question. I know that, but we're so heavily influenced by marketing and by information and the internet and all of those things. How can we bring that back to basics? Oh, that's a really good question and, and I, a question that I address with a lot of my members or, or customers. The thing is people are fixated on getting the quick fix. You know, society these days, we, we, we're not um, settling for a long-term strategy. We're settling for how do we get it done now? And so the biggest mistake is latching on to the, the fad diets and the, the short-term fixes, you know, whether it be the shakes or the, the short-term plans. Because what happens is, yes, you might, you know, get to your goal quite quickly, but chances, the studies show and evidence shows that you end up going back to your old ways after that has died down and the dust has settled. So that's probably the biggest crux of it. You know, we're, we're, we're bombarded by all these messaging and we think, oh, we're going to try that. Why don't I try that? That worked for that, you know, celebrity or that high profile person. So I think, um, yeah, the, the thing is to get back to basics, like you said, Robert, and just go, okay, what am I going to make in terms of my long-term change? 
And that comes down with small changes, you know. If you can now one small change in a week and consistently do that over the next four weeks, then that's going to be better than going on an overhaul of your diet or whatever goal you're trying to achieve. A really sensible and methodical approach. But often I, I find myself sitting out here in Cronulla and it's so beautiful out here and often I'm on my paddleboard out on the bay and you're just all by yourself, right? And if I paddle around the corner into the national park, you're really by yourself and it's, there's no houses, there's no people. It's, that's, this is what it was like before people were here. You know, it's been national park the whole time. And I often, often wonder, I have a, these weird conversations when I'm by myself training in the middle of nowhere out in the ocean and stuff. And you sort of say to yourself, if I was shipwrecked here, what would I be eating? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, well, you know, you could forage around in the scrub in there for some stuff. There's probably not a lot to eat there. I'd probably be eating a lot of shellfish. I'd be eating a lot of fish here on the shore. Maybe I'd go and snare a roux, something like that, or a wallaby or something like that. And then that's that paleo thing that's there. And you sort of bring that back to the modern day. And I find myself, you know, maybe even in the same day, it's happened to me before. I've had that conversation with myself. And there I am in Woolies pushing the trolley around picking up all this garbage and putting it into my trolley saying to myself, I was shipwrecked two hours ago in the national park. And if that's where I live, none of this stuff was about man. Life is so easy here. And, but this crap that I keep putting in my trolley and this crap that I keep putting in my body, how do I shift my thinking and my mentality to stop doing that? So true. You know, um, that's a good analogy that when you shipwrecked, what should you eat? Cause you know, I always talk to people about having unprocessed whole foods, you know, the, the less numbers and the less packets you can do, the better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's even more true. You know, we've heard it time and time again, but it's even more true, not only from a health point of view, but from an environment point of view. You know, if we're going back to basics and visiting, you know, your local market and getting your fruit and veggies and getting your your fish and your, your lean meats and things, or even non, non-meat sources, you know, your beans and your legumes. I'm always going on about those. They're magic little wonders for your health. So if you're doing that, then you're helping the environment as well, not only yourself, but the environment. And that's really important this day and age. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's move on from my craziness and all the craziness that goes on in, in my mind and the silly analogies that I have and, and talk about something that's been in the media a whole lot recently, and that's gut health. And gut health has been a, a, a hot topic in, in the nutrition and sports science space for a long time, but it's only in the last maybe two or three years that we've had the computers and the technology to really be able to analyze what's happening inside a gut biome. Because as that stuff comes out of you on the back end of a human body, all of that stuff's dead. And now we've got the ability to go back and see actually what's happening and there's a lot of, you know, so-called science. I don't know what to believe when I read this stuff, uh, you know, how your gut is connected to your brain and, you know, it's not your brain telling you to eat something, it's your gut telling you to eat something. Well, what are your thoughts in and around all of that stuff? Are you on the leading edge of that? Because it's really interesting. It is so interesting. And it's probably, I'd say it's the number one topic when you talk to a dietitian or you talk to, you know, the media. From a gut health point of view, you know, First of all, when you think about eating, you, you think about helping your physical health, but also mental health as well. Um, and that's where the gut, they're saying it's the second brain, like I think you touched on that. And um, if we can feed our, our good food, you know, you know, I think about fibre and, and make sure that we feed out the, the bugs that we have in our system, then we're going to benefit from both physical and mental health point of view. 
which is very exciting because we we haven't talked like in that way for ages and and you know i think this is this is a really interesting area and a lot of people are starting to grasp that this is of benefit and you know that's where you you mentioned paleo before and and paleo you know cuts out a lot of the fibrous foods um if you cut out whole grains and that's the, the great food that feeds our gut so you know what i was saying before about the fad diets you know you got to think about okay well what's going to actually benefit me and if i cut out whole food groups but how am i going to benefit my gut which is where the evidence is leading to you know for me personally and maybe for the people listening as well something that has helped me a lot is i i spent a lot of time trying to biohack myself and just listening to what my body is saying to me you know i'll wake up in the morning train for 60 90 minutes cold water for half an hour at the beach and then something to eat. And then often I come back and I, and I listen, if I really stop and listen and don't go into the habit of just getting something to eat and ask myself, am I really hungry? Am I really hungry? Do I, yes, I need to fuel my body after all of that activity and that exercise, but what is it that I'm actually reaching for? If you, and I stop myself, I would like physically stop myself, stop, stand still what is it that you're reaching for and that awareness for me has really kind of helped a lot with my health in the last couple of years and i can't really remember what it was what the catalyst for that was but when i kind of say to myself yes i'm feeling really hungry i feel like i've got an empty tummy my tummy's growling at me like that and if i give it the right type of food i feel like i'm satisfied for like six or seven hours and i'm just not hungry to eat again and when my body or my gut or my brain i'm not sure which one it is i you know all the science that i learned when i was growing up and all there is my brain is telling me to eat but actually it's my gut telling my brain hey you need to fuel your body a little bit and then if i put the wrong thing in it like a piece of banana bread and a coffee in the afternoon at two o'clock i just feel like crap and that's just messing with my gut biome right hundred percent yeah and it's and what you're saying about the communications working both ways you know the brain um, straight down the vagus nerve to the gut and back up again, you know. And, you know, if we eat intuitively, which is what you're describing there, or mindfully, another way of looking at it, then that's uh, one of the biggest and best things we can do. You know, you were saying to me, what are, what are some of the biggest mistakes we make? That's 100% one of them, that we don't intuitively enough. So we, you know, we're, we're ready for just grabbing whatever's on the hand and not thinking about what is actually going in. And that's where our whole body benefits if we, if we think about it. And, you know, also when you're eating a meal, you know, stopping at the 80% mark as well, you know, so not overfilling where we can then add to more calories on and, and weight. Then we just stop at that just under and then we can um, still nourish our bodies, but we don't go overboard. I have this funny thing that happens to me and, and hopefully the people listening can kind of relate to my stories a little bit. And, you know, like everybody, I'm standing it with the cupboard open, the door open, reaching in for a biscuit or a Tim Tam or something that I shouldn't be reaching in for. And then literally stopping myself and going, uh, well, what are the choices that I could make? I can go down that left path or down the right path. And if I just kind of back up a second before I go down the fork in the road to eating that Tim Tam or doing, oh, hang on, maybe instead of eating a Tim Tam, I can eat some nuts because apparently I'm supposed to eat nuts and nuts are supposed to feel good for me. And I'm like, but I don't want to eat nuts. I want to eat a chocolate biscuit. I don't want to eat nuts. And, and recent, recently I found myself 
doing that much more often. I don't know. I don't have many. I don't. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't womanize. I don't do anything wrong in my life. I can eat a bloody Tim Tam every now and then. It's not a big deal, right? And I find myself backing up. And this really weird thing happens when when I do put some almonds in there and some dried raisins or sultanas and some and some different nuts. You know, just like a a handful of it, but enough to sort of almost be too much. And then I sit down and I eat that and. After I've finished eating that, I, I kind of say to myself, something happens in my in the chemistry in my brain. It goes, I'm glad I didn't eat that biscuit. Even though I that- fought so damn hard to not to resist that biscuit, but after it's all over, I'm like, yeah, I don't need to eat chocolate biscuits. But just 10 minutes ago, I was like going to scratch somebody's eyes out if I couldn't eat that Tim Tam. So there's something really happening with the chemistry in your body and your brain when you do that, right? Absolutely, yeah. And and the fact you it's a really good point you make that you step back a bit and think about what's gonna go in. And that's a practice that we could all relate to and all could learn on. Because um, you know, I always say to my clients that it's cut back, not cut out, you know. So if you're thinking, Okay, well, I've got to have all the snacks there that are better for me and then they're at the ready, you know, because if, if they're not in if you've only got Tim Tams in the cupboard then of course you're going to reach for that. But if you've got the nut mix with a, a little bit of this, you know, dried fruit or something, then it means that you can make a better choice. So making it easier for yourself, setting up your your own home or own environment um, so you've got the snacks at the ready and taking that step back, um, like you said. And um, it's actually uh, something called Dr. Rick Kaufman um, speaks a lot about. It. It's called the law of diminishing pleasure. So if we, I don't know if you've heard about that before, Robert. Um, So what it is, is if we sit and have our snacks or any piece of food mindfully, we will get our fix much more in a, in a shorter time or longer time frame and then not have to overeat. So it says, you know, say if you're thinking about a piece of chocolate, if you lingered on a piece of chocolate for say 15 minutes rather than throwing back a few different squares over a five-minute period, then you're going to get your fix and you're going to eat less. So and, I um, use my Tim Tams as straws when I'm drinking my coffee is what you're saying. Cut that out. Robert, no Tim Tam slams for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's another one that I learned recently as well. And, you know, it's not really the biscuits that are, that are my vice. You know, I like to eat a chocolate biscuit and I think that's just more out of habit than it is out of, out of desire. But the thing that really is my vice, and I think a lot of Australian males and men would agree with this, is chips. So, so chips, chips is a problem. It's an easy snack and it's salty. It feels good. It tastes good. It kind of fills me up a little bit because it's got filler content. And recently I, I read, you know, like in, instead of eating chips, instead of putting that shovel and that garbage down your neck, why don't you eat some olives? And I really, I really like olives. And I found myself at the supermarket, of course, and I put the chips in the trolley as I always do because I want to live a little bit. I don't just want to live this ridiculous diet all the time. I do want to eat a chip every now and then, but also buying some olives at the same time. And again, I found myself there at the, at the fork in, in the road in the day, you know, making a decision to eat chips or to eat some olives and taking some olives out and eating maybe, I don't know, four or five olives, some black ones and some green ones and stuff like that and going, oh, I'm, I'm good now. And I would have eaten half a packet of like a big packet of chips, you know, like kettle chili chips like that, which are delicious. And I ate just three, four, five olives like that and I had the same satisfaction. Talk to me about the salt because that's salty, right? The chips are salty, the olives are salty, there's something happening there, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
So I think what happens is if we're eating it mindlessly, that it, it makes us want to eat more as well, you know? So um, I like that, mindlessly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you've got a bag of chips in front of you, you know, you feel like you've got to eat the bag, otherwise it's not even done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But if with the with the olive side of things, you know, you're still getting the salty, salty product, but you're having a few of them and it, it you know, you have to pick up each one. It's actually quite psychological when it comes to eating. And so salt does make us want to eat more. It also makes us thirsty. So I think um, it's good to, that you've portioned it out because portion's the key as well. So even if, you know, from a chip's point of view, if you put some in a bowl and then put the, the packet at the, bo- at the top of the cupboard and you cut out of reach, um, then that's even a good strategy as well because you've portioned it out. You know, it can be a bit harder, but, yeah, the more you do it and with any habit and changing, the more you do it, the more you get used to it and, and it'll just become second nature. Yeah, I, I love the theory of doing those things, but the reality is I'm the tallest person in, in this place and I'm the only one that can reach them then. You know, the, <laughs> the missus and the kids can't reach them, but I can still reach them. And, and yeah, I, for, for me, it's been less about portion control and actually swapping something out. Talk to me about this crazy town that we live in here in Sydney has this incredible food culture. I've traveled all over the world and been to some incredible places, but still here in Sydney are some of the the best restaurants and the best cafes. And we have this coffee culture and man, you know, if I had, if I had two vices in my life, it would be a cup of coffee and, and potato chips, not together, of course, but you know, at, at some point in my life, I'd been drinking four or five cups of coffee a day, just a really nasty habit. And if you're drinking four or five cups of something that's not water, that can only be bad for you, right? I, I get it. But what about this coffee culture and, and people that have that issue and that problem? What could you suggest and recommend instead of? So with, with coffee, I find the biggest thing with people, um, they're generally talking to me about weight management a lot of the time. Um, and when it comes to coffee, that we tend to forget that if we're having one of those lattes, which can come in a really big cup these days, that is is essentially adding a lot of calories into your day. And if you're having multiple ones across the day, then um, you can add a lot more calories in. So what I suggest is, you know, first of all, if you're used to having a large one, cutting it down to a small one. So you, what I was saying before about the small changes, you can't go from having, say, four or five coffees a day to having one. <laughs> that won't oh, work. Yeah, it's hard. It's very hard, yeah. It's got to be achievable. So, you know, if you're used to having large ones, cut back to small. If you're used to having multiple, maybe you could go to maybe two or two coffees, you know, and try that over the few weeks, the next few weeks. So that's probably the crux of it. Also swapping it out, you know, if you're if you're going for a coffee, maybe it's that you need a glass of water or a tea could be another option. You know, you're getting more water in that way rather than maybe getting some more calorific stuff. So so yeah, so that's that's probably the crux. Cut back, not cut out. What 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 would you say about milk? Is is milk good for us as human beings? I mean, gosh, the jur- the jury's out, the jury came in and said no. And there's some pretty uh, pretty nasty things in, in cow's milk, right? Well, Robert, the jury is out on that. No, the, the evidence shows that we do need dairy in our diet um, because we get, you know, a lot of benefits. We get calcium, vitamins and minerals from, from milk. The only reason I would say not to have dairy products is if someone had an intolerance 
the dairy. So that's when you can go for plant-based milks or, or something like that. But you would need to um, consult your friendly dietitian <laughs> in order to get their <laughs> exactly to get their advice. Um, but you know, we we can definitely drink dairy, um, and it benefits us. I what I would suggest is the low fat dairy. So then you you're getting less calories in from that point of view, and and you're not having saturated fat in the diet, which is very important when it comes to health. So here I am caught in the middle again of everybody telling me that I shouldn't drink milk or have dairy like that. And for every 50 people that say that, there's 150 people online that say, what are you talking about? There's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. And there's a whole industry behind it saying it's totally okay. So for me in the middle, I don't know about the people listening, but for me in the middle, I kind of just biohacked it and decided that, okay, instead of having milk in those coffees that I have every day, and instead of having I'll have dairy, I'll still have dairy, but I'll cut out the milk and I'll see if I feel better. You know what? I feel like a hundred times better when I don't drink milk. I don't find any difference when I do or I don't have cheese or sour cream or cream or any other dairy related product. But if I don't have milk in my coffee, if I have a almond milk flat white or I have just a straight up long black, I feel completely different after that than I do if I have it. I don't feel it bubbling away in my guts or upsetting my tummy or anything like that. And in fact, when I have it as a long black or with an almond milk base, I don't drink four coffees a day. I just drink like one. It just completely kills the craving. So for me, that little biohack of just cutting it out completely and seeing how I feel one day versus doing it the next day, then another day, then doing it over a couple of days worked really well. What would you say about that? Well, that, that's a good point. And, you know, when it's great that you had a great result because the thing is with eating, you know, you everyone's individualized. You know, mm. you need, need to get something and, a, and an eating plan and a long-term strategy that works for you. So if you find that you feel good, I mean, we're here to feel good. That's the yeah. main thing. So, you know, I'd say just as long as you're getting your nutritional requirements and you said that you get it from other sources but not necessarily the milk side of things. I mean, there's different sources of dairy, um, as you said, cheese, um, milk, yogurt. Um, so, you know, as long as you're getting the couple of serves in a day, then that's completely fine. And, yeah, as long as it works for you, that's the crux of it. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? There's no right or wrong. So long as you feel okay in there, that's that's what matters. And and I guess when it becomes wrong is when there's no moderation there, right? Mm, absolutely. And the overeating side of things, um, that's when you go, okay, well, if I'm not balancing it out with the exercise, that's when we, we can get into a bit of um, trouble. So yeah, so good. Nice. Well, it's a really super interesting topic and I can see you're very passionate about it. And I can also see that you're very measured in the way that you're responding to my craziness, which is very, uh, very good. I'm going to take this offline. I'm going to see if we can get a bit more vigor out of it there as well. And I know that you've got to have a balanced view of it and, and deliver a balanced message there as well. I, I really get that. So really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and sharing us with a little bit of nutritional stuff there. I'm certain that we could talk about that all day. It's a very interesting topic and i'd love to get get you together with a, a couple of other guests that i've had on that have uh one guest in particular her name's hannah she had lyme's disease um and there's another guy his name was alan and alan was really really sick and and couldn't work out what was wrong with him no doctor could and it all came down to diet and both of those people sorted their medical problems out with eating and it would be really interesting to get you guys together on a little panel to talk about that so if you're open to that Let's come back and revisit that and do another podcast in and around going all in and what you should eat properly and to eat, eat for better health and eat for, for medicine instead of taking medicine, right? 
Oh, that'd be excellent. Yeah, I'd love to do that. You know, it's um, discussion about eating is one of the best things you can do. You know, eating's the, the core of life. It is. It affects us all and, and absolutely very, very important topic. Corinne, tell me, let's just move on from that. Tell me uh, what's happening for you in the next 12 to 18 months. Is there some exciting things on your horizon? Well, definitely when it comes to um, work, you know, I'm looking forward to learning even more. You know, when it comes to eating this day and age, we only know the surface in terms of the information. You know, we're always learning. So that's what I'll be doing over the next 12 to 18 months, learning as much as I can, you know, definitely in the area of gut health, like you mentioned, and heart health. You know, I'm working in heart health and um, it was World Heart Day the other day and, um, you know, I felt like, you know, this is such a great chance to promote heart health. And for something that's our biggest killer, I think, um, you know, more people need to have the awareness and really get their checks and, and prevent that, you know, happening to them. So I think that's going to be, from a work point of view, that's going to be the best things coming up. And also travel as well. So I'm going to Adelaide and Kangaroo Island soon. So that'll be really fun seeing our great country of ours. So that'll be great. And, and enjoying Fairlight, where I'm from on the northern beaches. Summer's nearly here, so more beach time. Sounds like you got it all worked out. Man, we live in the best place in the world, don't we? There's just no question about that. No word of a lie, we do. It's amazing. And um, I think sometimes we take for granted. I think, you know, getting out there and seeing as much as possible, that's what life's about. Yeah, that's it. You know, when, when, you, when you couple the environment that we live in with the Tim Tam Slammers and the eight coffees a day, Man, what else is there in this world, right? <laughs> That's really funny. Rin, <laughs> <laughs> tell me, what are, you, what are your daily non-negotiables that keep you sharp and focused and keep you away from the Tim Tams and the 11 coffees? Non-negotiables is getting up early. So sunrise, um, walking down, so seeing the sunrise down at Manly Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, I get up, I walk down um, from Fairlight down to Manly um, watch the sunrise and and go for a walk. It's it's the best way to start the day. And I've been a bit reluctant to get in the water, but I tell you what, now it's warming up. We'll be getting in the water and uh, and doing that as well. And another non-negotiable is um, meditation at the end of the day. So I I use something called the Resilience Project app. I'm not sure if your listeners have heard that before, but it's a great, anyone that wants to learn about mindfulness and um, gratitude and empathy, then then please um, have a look at that. They have an app that I use every night um, in order to meditate and unwind. Nice. Sounds awesome. I'll get that link off you and I'll make sure the, the link's included in the show notes. So a daily meditation at the end of the day. I haven't heard that one before. How long have you been doing that? I've been doing it for since I saw the Resilience Project seminar, which was about six months ago. Yeah, yep. So it's been a really good, really good experience just to to get into the sleep zone or get into the relaxed zone. That's where I find meditation really well. But I mean, you know, you can do meditation any point of the day. Yeah, nice. And has it helped you? Has it made a difference in your life? Yeah, it's um, it it makes you it centers you a bit more and and gives you more clarity about what's important. You know, you sometimes we get caught up in our routines and we're bouncing from here, there, and everywhere. We're always using the word busy, <laughs> but this is about thinking a lot more and thinking about what you want to achieve and what you want to give back. So it's really interesting. I, I I like I have a bit of a negative bedtime routine, and I'm an early riser as well. And but I will I find myself 
my mind is really busy and active constantly because I've got so much going on and so many different businesses and things happening for me. And at the end of the day, the thing that kind of switches me off is playing a video game. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. um, I find when I play a video game, all of my attention is focused on that particular thing. But playing a first person shooter as an ex army guy and playing Call of Duty for 45 minutes before I go to bed and then go to sleep and I sleep like a log, you know, there's no problem going to sleep. It's probably not the best practice. <laughs> that's actually um well i mean it works for you like i was saying about the it eating yeah. <laughs> so as long as it works that's a great thing the this there's evidence to show to get into the sleep zone as a same schedule is really important so if you're doing different things at night that can make your mind stay awake and and stimulated and less likely to sleep so if you're doing the same thing each night then that there's evidence to show that helps that's interesting running around with a, a squad of dudes in world war two shooting up stuff for an hour or two before i go to sleep that's the way i'm gonna to go to bed i love it <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah yeah maybe not the first suggestion but I, as i said <laughs> as long as it works for you yeah. that's really cool well corinne if people want to connect with you and learn more about you where can they reach out so i'm on linkedin so corinne Tai. my last name is spelled t-i-g-h-e i also have instagram r-i-n-t-i-g is my handle and yeah, I look forward to talking to you. If anyone has any questions, then please reach out. I'm happy to answer them. Sounds awesome. And I'll make sure that those links are included in the show notes as well. But that just about wraps it up for the Go All In podcast today. And if you haven't already subscribed to the show, just pop open your favorite podcasting app and hit that subscribe button. And if you like what you heard on today's show, don't forget to leave us a review. Well, thanks again, Corinne, for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate you sharing uh, your knowledge and spending a bit of time with us here on the Goal In Podcast. We'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks, Robert.